Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Hi, Brenton Ford here. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, just want to let you know that I'll be in the US in April and I'll be running some freestyle clinics. And these freestyle clinics we've been running for the last couple of years here in Australia. And they book up very quickly and they've been really popular with swimmers and triathletes. And the reason they've been popular is because of the results that we've gotten with a lot of athletes who have attended. And what we do at the clinics is we we video you with uh, underwater footage and above water footage, then do an analysis. And then we go in the water and we go through some drills and exercises to help you correct what we see in the videos. So with swimming, there's a lot to think about. You can think about your head position, your body position, recovery, entry, catch, pull. There's a lot of things that go into it. But the way that we simplify it down is we look at your stroke, we look at what you're doing, and then we'll give you two, at a maximum, three things to uh, look at correcting in your stroke to increase your efficiency, have your swimming faster, and reduce the drag, which is also going to increase your speed. And if you're a triathlete or a swimmer who's frustrated with their swimming not improving, so if you've sort of chipped away at it for the last two or three years without seeing much of an improvement in your swimming, then this clinic might be a good fit for you. So if you would like to book into any of the US clinics that I'll be running, uh, there's some on the East Coast and the West Coast. You can go to effortlessswimming.com, click on the clinics and camps link in the top right-hand corner, and there'll be a little drop-down box for the USA clinics. Uh, so hopefully I'll see you there. There's only a limited amount of spots available because each clinic has a maximum of eight swimmers. So uh, there's only a few clinics there with not many spots. So if you would like to book in, go to effortlessswimming.com and click on the clinics and camps link. Now, today's episode is with a good friend of mine, Kim Swabenbauer. She was on the podcast recently, and uh, we talked about a wide range of things, and, and today we're going to talk about a few different things, because Kim's a professional triathlete, and uh, since the last podcast, um, she's announced that she's now pregnant. So we talk about what it's like to go from being a professional athlete and then getting pregnant and what the future looks like. Her, uh, looks like for her. We also talk about a few things that she's been studying with her master's degree uh, from, um, from immunity and, uh, and diet and how athletes can avoid getting sick and keep themselves in, in top health so that they don't need to take time off from their training because when it comes to getting good results in your triathlons or your swimming, then consistency really is key with that. So we talk about how to stay healthy uh, and, and not get sick using some of the stuff that Kim has been researching with her master's degree. Yeah, last time I had you on the podcast, we we were talking earlier and you'd only just found out that you were pregnant and it was a little bit too early to announce it to, to everyone because you hadn't told your, uh, your family and everyone mm-hmm. around you because it was just that little bit early. But uh, uh, but now you, you can and, um, and so I want you to, I guess, just tell me the story of what it's like from being a professional triathlete and then getting pregnant and, you know, what's, what's that look like and what does this, the future look like now that you're... How many weeks pregnant are you? I am just heading into my 21st week. So 21st yep. week. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we're halfway through and um, that feels good. <laughs> and you obviously know a lot about this because you, you are going through this whole process as well. So, um, so yeah, we, we were actually talking about it for the last two or three years. And I, when we discussed, you know, how this was going to go with the pro career, 
and all those things, you know, it's such a huge sacrifice for the whole family and, and your friends and everybody else, you know, who's going through this with you. And um, it just takes a lot of discipline on your part and therefore discipline on their part as well, whether, whether they like to, you know, like that or not. And so um, we talked about like a three year to four year plan to be able to be a pro and see what I could get out of it and really put all the eggs in that basket and go really hard. And so I managed to do three years. And then I said to Kyle, my husband, I'm, I feel like I am still on the upward trend here. I feel like I'm just starting to get my legs under me as a pro and starting to feel like I know what I'm doing, gaining some confidence. I know how to train. I know how to take care of myself. Um, I know what this takes to be good at this sport. And that takes a while for that, that process to happen um, at this level. So I said, give me another year. So that was the year of 2015. And so we actually um, decided that we were going to, you know, forego birth control for that year. And I was convinced that I could probably get pregnant, you know, even while I was Ironman training, you know, for 25 hours a week and, you know, running a business and doing all the other things that I do, speaking, et cetera. And what happened was we found out that was not going to be the case because it just <laughs> is something that your your body as a woman is sometimes not interested in um, procreation when it's <laughs> it's spread out that thin. So it took us, you know, really till the end of the year in 2015 for me to really shut it down. And then um, when I finally did and said, no matter what, for this coming year, I'm not going to race. Uh, I'm going to do some other things in my life and focus on some other areas because I really do want this for us. And this is something I, I want to have for us as parents, you know, to be parents, just what a gift. And I don't want to take a chance on just continuing to push through. So, so we did. And luckily it was only about a month and a half, two months later that we were, we were pregnant with our first child. So I'm due July 30th and I'm super excited. That's, that's fantastic. And um, I mean, when we spoke last podcast, it was something I really wanted to talk about too, because I mean, my wife is also Mm -hmm. pregnant. She's one month ahead of um, where you are at Mm -hmm. the moment. And uh, uh, it's, I mean, for me, I mean, before this, I was never sort of um, like not that interested in, um, you know, in in talking about (laughs) all that stuff. But then once it all sort of happens, you know, it's, uh, I guess your thinking changes. And I mean, for me, I've Mm -hmm. become, (laughs) become pretty clucky as a, um, as a, as a guy, like looking, sort of looking at other people with babies and kids and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a different sort of mindset than what I've, that I'm, what I'm used to. And I imagine it's uh, the same for you. Absolutely. The same for us. We were the quintessential, um, you know, just really hardworking people that we would show up to the birthday parties with, you know, the, the barely a gift put together that we had thrown <laughs> together, you know, 30 minutes before because we realized that we didn't have anything at all. And so we're, you know, trying to find something in our house that we can give to someone. You know, that was what our life was like. It just wasn't something that we were really focused on. And now I actually feel badly. I want to apologize to the people (laughs) that that I did this to, you know, my friends that were having babies, because most of the people, you know, I'm 36. uh, Most of my friends that I graduated high school with and college with um, have eight-year-olds. So eight to 10 to 12-year-olds, even some of them. So they've been at this for a while and we just waited so long. And so, yeah, like you said, now we're really interested and now we're kind of catching up and trying to figure out how to 
you know, what stroller to buy and, and how we're going to manage all this with, you know, a new baby coming and our schedules and all the stuff they already went through so long ago. So now we're doing the same thing as you, Brent. We're, we're checking everybody out. We're asking questions about all kinds of things, breastfeeding, sleep schedules, you know, all that kind of thing, reading books. So it's, it's fun, but yeah, we're a little late to the, late to the party. It's kind of (laughs) like dining too. Uh, training for your, your first Ironman, I reckon. I mean, there's so many different mm-hmm. pieces of the puzzle that you need mm-hmm. to consider. I mean, you've got your, your nutrition, you need to get your bike right and all this sort of stuff. And there's a lot to lot to consider. And, um, and I mean, for me, I did my first one a couple of weeks ago and I just... I just realized I know next to nothing about, you know, about, <laughs> about Ironman and Ironman training and things like that. And, and then same with, with having a baby is I've got no idea what, uh, I mean, my wife's bought all these things, like a bassinet, yeah. a stro- all these different things. And I don't even know what half of them are for. And it's just, um, it's just a lot to sort of wrap your head around. And I mean, once you've done it, I'm sure it's easy, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just so much to think about. It is. And where is my coach? Exactly. I need my like I just like I needed my you need an Ironman coach whenever you hire someone. I, and I guess you know what who the coaches are our parents, our parents and our friends. Those are the people that you know I'm hoping will come up big for us and and talk to us about this because exactly like you said. And by the way, you're not some novice doing the race. You just went you know under ten hours for your first Ironman. Huge deal. You did incredibly well. You had obviously trained extremely well, but I do understand what you mean. It seems so overwhelming at first. And, and, um, you know, and, and plus I just think it's a little bit different today. I think our, our parents and grandparents were life was a little simpler at times and, um, maybe they weren't juggling quite as much. Women didn't have quite as much, I think on their plate at times, maybe we weren't quite as, as much in the workforce and, and having all these different ways we were involved and things, you know, that we love to and are passionate about. So I think too, times have changed a little bit and it, it does, you know, even what's available, the equipment, like you said, is now way beyond the baby monitors, the, <laughs> you know, all that stuff is, is crazy. So I think, um, it feels like there's so much to learn when before people are just like, yeah, you just have the baby and then it's there and then you take care of it. And that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, know? that's right. Instead of checkups right. every two or three weeks yeah. and everything and you can find exactly. out yeah you can find out it pretty much everything about it before it's born so right. it's, um, yeah i guess it does seem a lot more co- yeah complicated than what it used to be and probably the same with iron man tr- as well you know mm-hmm. there's uh less gadgets mm-hmm. to to use and mm-hmm. it was more just sort of get out there on the bike get out there and run and just sort of uh, right. go through it instead of really um uh, getting specific about the training and things like that so it's, absolutely. Uh, uh, so uh, hopefully, in that respect, it it gives you a bit of experience with uh, with what you're about to go through. Yeah, I think so. Don't you think? So in some ways, though, what we do lends itself. I hope this is you know this is just what I'm hoping. So don't quote me on this. Who knows? But I I hope that what we you know just that whole process of going through from start to finish. You know, starting not knowing anything at all learning along the way, you know, being open to new ideas, continuing to just, you know, suck up every amount of knowledge that you can and and really just being passionate again about what, what it is that you really do and, and wanting to put forth your best effort. This has got to serve us well in some way, right? This has to. (laughs) It sounds like a desperate plea. (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. I'm sure it does. And most of all, yeah, you just want to be a good parent. And, um, and if that's your priority, I think that, 
everything else has got to fall into place some, you know, to some extent. So we'll just weather it together and, you know, your wife and you, my, my husband and I, and we'll just see how things go. But, um, but yeah, it should be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I think, um, someone said it to me before is, you know, if, if you're thinking about what's the best way to, um, to, to bring up the child and and like, and you're really um, thinking about it and and you want to do a great job, that's, that's Mm -hmm. the, that's at the half of it, you know. If you if you really yeah. care, um, then mm-hmm. you know you make some mistakes along the way, but uh, you'll figure it out as you go. And as long as you care, that's the that's the main thing. Absolutely, I totally totally agree with that. And we've probably both had good examples of that in our lives. I, I'm so thankful for the examples that have been set for me um, of people who have just cared so much about me when I, you know, maybe I wasn't even their actual daughter, and they were just um, coaches and you know, teachers and people like that, that just showed me what, what that true real commitment is to to making somebody better and to caring about them and and their development and who they are and um, helping them to have the best start. And so that part, I think I can do. So if we, Mm. if if we got that, Brent, we're going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll, but I'll keep you posted for sure. I'll I'll come on anytime and let you know. Yeah. We'll follow up in in a year's time. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And then when we're both in the throes of it and we've made it through, hopefully when they're actually sleeping a little bit and whatnot. (laughs) So yeah, I'm sure that the, uh, the coaching comes into it. I mean, the experience with, with Mm -hmm. working with athletes and, helping them learn and develop and yeah i'm sure that's going to come through in in parenting and i sort of look at um, the coaches i've had over the years and i mean Mm -hmm. there's sort of two or three really simple lessons that i've picked up from each of them and ones that Mm -hmm. i think i'd take into my well that i've taken into my coaching and my my parenting just from sort of basic basic manners saying hello goodbye please thank you and showing up on time uh, was mm-hmm. probably the most important one, and um, and just um, j- just being nice to people, and and also just about putting in your your best effort and um, and not leaving anything on the table. So I think all that stuff that you learn through through sport and from your coaches um, and from coaching others that that's got to come into play. Yeah, I absolutely absolutely agree, and I think we're so fortunate to to have that. I think you know it's all about people. That's what coaching is. That's what, you know, even what we do as athletes in sport, you know, it really, the whole thing is about people. When you look at what, what we do, why we love it so much, a lot of it is revolving around, around people and those relationships. And, and I, I think what we're about to embark on is probably the most important relationship we've ever had. And so if you can just, you know, look at it that way and, and realize that, you know, this is where your priority is and, continue to just try to keep doing your best. And also our parents were not perfect. I do think about that too. My mother was probably not perfect when she, you know, they, they did their best and everything turned out. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. That has to, that has to be, like I said, another good sign. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, if we can, we can do that, then I think we're in the right place. And, um, but I'm always open to to suggestions and I'm always open to feedback. So, um, (laughs) while Kyle and I will make the decisions, but I still, you know, I still hope other people will, help us, you know, along the way and, and, you know, let us know if we're headed in the wrong direction or going off track. We have some good role models. So, so yeah, so life, life should be interesting. And in in terms of where I go from here with the whole athletic thing, I guess I'm not quite sure yet. I'm not sure how you see it changing for you and for your wife. Uh, But, you know, it's, I think it's really hard to know where to go. And especially sometimes as, as women, we are the sort of primary caregiver in the beginning because we have the equipment. No offense to your, <laughs> to your particular sex, but 
you don't have the equipment that we have. So right. we kind of have to be, we have to be up in there and really, you know, really taking a lot of the responsibility in the beginning. So I think, um, you know, for, for me, I'm just going to try to not put too much pressure on the process of, you know, it has to be a certain way because we, we triathletes, we are so type A, usually we're overachieving, you know, you know, obsessive compulsive time management, you know, crazy people. And so sometimes I think to myself, well, I'm just going to get right back into it. It's going to be my amazing and blah, blah. <laughs> and then I put a hold on it and I say, listen, Kim, you have no idea what you're getting into. <laughs> so probably a good idea to pull back the reins and just, you know, not make any solid plans. Like try not to sign up for any races within the next six months, right after you give birth. <laughs> like I'm attempting to not do that right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I can do it or not, if I make it through. So yeah, yeah we'll have to go from there. That's right. I'm sure it's going to, um, I mean, what I've seen with, uh, with friends who've had babies and things mm-hmm. like that is it, it sort of, it knocks you around a bit. It's, I, I imagine yeah. it's, it's like kind of doing an Ironman. I mean, for me, I'm two weeks out after my first mm-hmm. one and, and my body's just, it's still fatigued. It's still tired. Yeah. Um, and I just mm-hmm. can't put much intensity into anything that I do. And um, I imagine it's the, the same thing when, yeah. when having a child. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all, uh, all going to be a new experience and just, you just don't know what's, how it's going to be. So, uh, yeah, it's, and, and I know for me and, and probably for you as well, it's just, you, you, I'd love to, I'd really like to have things planned and scheduled and have mm-hmm. control of them and to leave it open to, Mm-hmm. To, to to what you know to, to anything <laughs> yeah. it's uh it's hard to do I'm not used to it I totally agree I'm fairly inflexible just ask my husband and and I think that's those are the same qualities that, that lend themselves to being a great athlete in some ways because you are willing to get up at four o'clock in the morning you know and you you had that time before where you could say for sure I will have this block this is what, mm. you know, I will have from four o'clock to, you know, eight o'clock when I have to go to work and I will use this block for this two hour bike ride and then I'll get off and run off the bike. And so, you know, people are willing to do that kind of stuff for go to masters and swim or whatever. And so what I've heard from a lot of uh, new parents and especially new mothers as well is that you have this plan in your mind. You think you're going to get up at, you're going to beat this, this baby up at, you know, 4am <laughs> you get up to try to get in the workout. And guess what? That baby starts crying the second you're out of bed and, you know, it's hungry. And now you're thinking to yourself, I was going to be out the door already. I was going to leave this baby for a little bit and go do this other thing. And you just can't do it. It's just that flex, you know, that need to be flexible, which I don't do well with at all. So (laughs) something has to change, you know, something's going to have to give. And um, so I guess, you know, we'll see how that transition happens. And, uh, for me personally, I'm in grad school until the end of this year. So no matter what, I pretty much know until December, it's going to be, you know, all about just managing my current priorities. And then, um, my coach would love me to just come back, you know, be back on the bike by October and then, (laughs) you know, racing next year, early in the year. And, and so I'm just going to have to wait and see how that goes, because from what I hear from a lot of new mothers, um, and new parents in general, it is just not that easy. So don't get it in your mind. It's going to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. It's so gonna, that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's going to take a bit of a change. Yeah, I can, uh, yeah. I can yeah, see that myself as well. So it, it'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, it will. Fun, I'm sure. And, yes, absolutely. And you're studying, um, I hope I get this right, your master's in exercise science and kinesiology. 
That's correct. Yes, you got it right. Absolutely. And one <laughs> yep. of the things you, you've been researching is immunity for athletes. So um, can you talk a little bit about, about that and what you've, what you've come across and, and how it relates to swimmers and triathletes? Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say this degree has been a, a good thing for me, having my undergraduate work be in nutrition and then being able to now be a little bit more rounded um, as, I, as I am a coach and um, in the field of speaking and doing things like that. This has been a good degree for that. So I am learning a lot about this type of thing. And, and one of the areas that we were researching for a, a recent paper that um, I did, and actually there was another great podcast that I listened to as well, is that, you know, prolonged exercise, exactly what we do as athletes um, is going to wear on your immunity, which we, we kind of know because we already, you know, notice that when we're in those big training phases, you know, where we're doing, let's say, upwards sometimes of 14, 15 hours a week, plus trying to have a regular job, all the other stuff we have going on, you know, your body doesn't separate the type of stress that it's seeing. That's, that's what I think is so interesting. Your body doesn't really know training stress from work stress, from life and personal and emotional stress. It just knows overall stress. So the more you continue to pile it on, because training is ramping up, but then at the same time, you've got a big presentation at work. And then all of a sudden at home, your wife or, or husband is unhappy because you weren't around. All this kind of stuff is going to lead to, um, you know, your white blood cells uh, not not being as high and, and not functioning in their normal way. So you do that. Plus, then we add all the breathing that we do as athletes. We're breathing in, you know, really, uh, you know, all the time we're breathing extra. We're, we're really breathing um, through workouts. And so we're breathing in, you know, all the allergens and, you know, different, um, you know, bacteria and things like that can be coming in from the environment. So we've got that. So that's coming into our lungs. And then we've got, of course, traveling and doing things like that. So all this adds up to, for us, decreased immunity and the chance that we're going to end up missing training and getting sick and not being as consistent. And I don't know about you, Brent, but consistency for my athletes is the number one issue. Is that true for you as well? Oh, absolutely. Especially with, yeah. especially with swimming. If, you, uh, if you're doing one session a week, it's just not going to cut it. And mm-hmm. that consistency in the water is what gives you that, that feel for the water. And, uh, yep. and that's where you see the improvement. When someone's put together um, a solid block of you know, a few months of training consistently, at least sort of minimum yep. two sessions a week, but you know, ideally three or four. Exactly, exactly. And any, any time off, it's amazing the detraining that happens. You know, mm. it, I was just reading that, you know, it's, it can take six weeks to, to build um, an athlete to a particular point, And it actually only takes six to seven days to detrain by, you know, 30 or 40%. And then by two weeks, you're almost at nothing. So, you know, you <laughs> almost went back to where you were pre- preliminary before the six weeks. And, and, you know, that's mainly cardiovascular training. Resistance training doesn't seem to show that same, um, take some as much of a hit as, you know, cardiovascular training does. But for us, you know, consistency is where it's at. This is where the athletes that end up, like you said, seeing really big gains come in. So being able to protect our immunity is huge. And there are things that athletes can do to make sure that they take care of themselves, um, especially because we're all about to get into the, well, I guess you guys are in the real season, right? This season is happening now. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's wrapping up for most people, actually. Like, we've just up. come out okay. of summer, so um, okay. yeah. But I mean, you guys over there, it's just just starting to ramp up. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. What are some of the things that came out of the studies that you're reading? What sort of things yeah. can people do to 
not get sick? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for one, um, if they are attempting to lose weight while they're doing this, so I do have athletes that are in a, in a situation where they want to be at a race weight, you know, for their big A race of the season. And so they're in a period where they're trying to, you know, both train and cut calories at the same time or, and, or, you know, just watch where those calories are coming from, the timing, all those things. And that combined with everything else I just said can be sort of a recipe for disaster. So what ends up happening is they either um, are deficient in certain micronutrients or what we call vitamins and minerals, you know, so those vitamins and minerals end up in their diet much lower than they should be. Specifically, vitamin A, D, E, B6, and B12. And B12, you, you really only get from animal foods. So that's really the only place to pick that up. So if you do have athletes that are vegan or vegetarian, they can end up low in B12 and, you know, fairly easily because if they really aren't concentrating on getting it from a supplement or some other area, they're probably not going to get enough. And so um, between that and then vitamin D, we get that from the sun, from our, our being synthesized in our skin. But we also pick it up from um, certain fort- fortified foods like dairy foods and things like that. Uh, but people are chronically low at times during the year. You guys are getting plenty of sun now, but, you know, there might be times where it ends up not being that high and people just aren't outside and sunscreen. We're wearing a lot more sunscreen these days. And so people just aren't getting nearly the vitamin D that we used to get, which is good for skin cancer, preventing it, but not quite as good for vitamin D. So um, concentrating on those. And then the minerals that are really important are iron and zinc. So watching, you know, your diet to make sure that you're getting enough iron in from especially the heme sources, which means the animal food sources, red meat, chicken, you know, places like that, turkey, those kind of sources are, are more readily absorbed um, from, you know, the iron is, is more readily absorbed from those places versus when you're talking about spinach and some of the dark leaf, leafy greens and things like that. So those are some kind of key vitamins and minerals that people can either get tested, you know, and know where they are in the beginning of the season and then maybe get retested again if they're having any problems and just making sure they have a really well-rounded whole foods diet. So fruits, vegetables, you know, animal products for protein, making sure they're high quality protein, beans, low fat dairy, things of that nature. So if you're working with someone, would you have them get a blood test to see where they're at with each of these levels? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I really would. I actually, most of my athletes, especially when they first come on board, I will, I will say to them, you know, if you have the ability to do this with your doctor, to be able to talk to your doctor about the fact that you are going to train for this really large event and you just need a baseline for finding out where these values are so that we can compare later. If something happens, if you start feeling really terrible and you're just complaining about being tired and you can't seem to produce the same numbers in your workouts, then we have something to go back to before the season started or really got rolling and we're able to compare those things as time goes on. Mm. And I have people do that pretty often. So I think it's important. Yeah, I think it's good to find that baseline, not only in your um, in your levels for each of those things, but to also do a um, an athlete screening for your flexibility and your mobility. Right. Uh, also, your, your fitness tests at the start of the season um, for mm-hmm. each of the, the disciplines. And uh, yeah, and just having those numbers to work from and then seeing the improvement or being able to maintain mm-hmm. the right um, yeah, the the correct levels there for your um, for your blood. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good to just to have those markers. And I mean, with uh, 
you know, without sort of swim time trials, every yeah. sort of six weeks can be a good time to do, might be a 400 time trial, depends on what you're training mm-hmm. for or an 800 time mm-hmm. trial. But um, yeah, just to sort of keep keep you motivated as well, because it's it's kind of like a, a race is, you know, every time that I race, you, you pick up these little things where you can improve, you get to see where you're at mm-hmm. with each of your each of your legs and then uh then that gives you motivation to to train that little bit harder so it's sort of the same thing when you see the improvements in your your blood levels mm-hmm. your, your, screen, mm-hmm. your athlete screening and your uh, your fitness as well right and and this area for athletes is so important and i just think sometimes people don't really give it the attention that it deserves until unfortunately sometimes things go the other direction and they find themselves sick for a two to three week time period and, you know, when we're talking about health, we're not just talking about performance. So really, mm. as coaches, our goal is to have you healthy and, you know, firing on all optimal cylinders, you know, from the very beginning and the whole, the whole way throughout your season. Because if we don't have that, that health first, then there's no chance of us getting to a better performance. So by starting with better health, we're, you know, we're really where we should be. And then maintaining that throughout this entire process is the goal. As things go askew, then all of a sudden we, we start having all kinds of other issues and all of a sudden there's injury and there's um, sickness and there's other things happening and, and even to where the athletes aren't motivated anymore because they just feel like, why would I do this? I can't even stay healthy. I can't make the gains I was looking for. And so, you know, it becomes a really frustrating thing for us as coaches and athletes. So um, I think that's some of the reasons why this should be, you know, a priority for people. The other thing I want to mention too, um, which is something that a lot of us really like is alcohol. So uh, we, you know, we love going out for, you know, a bike ride of five hours, you know, you're out there in the hot sun, you're with your friends, everything's going great, or you're, you know, doing a long run or you're swimming or whatever it is and you put in a really solid day and then it's time for beers because (laughs) you know it's time to celebrate the fact that we all went out there and that we were you know able to be successful with these workouts and we felt great and we burned all those calories so now it's time to add a few of those back in with you know a couple of beers and while the beers themselves aren't the inherent problem it's more the fact that your body is probably in a very dehydrated state when you put that alcohol into the system so it further depresses your immune system and then you're probably not going to rehydrate like you should especially with the electrolytes that you need um you know while beer gives you calories, it's not going to give you electrolytes. It's not going to really be a hydrator. In fact, it's a, um, a dilator, you know, it's end up and you end up, you know, urinating more, um, because of it, it's a diuretic. So, you know, it doesn't help us to really rehydrate and come back the next day and to feel good. And so that ends up being, you know, a detriment for athletes as well. And so while the calories might not be a big deal, the other stuff is. And so it ends up, you know, maybe you don't sleep as well because you, you decided to have a couple and then, all of a sudden you're in a deficit for the next day. So that's something to think about too for athletes. Yeah, we had a, a sleep coach on the podcast by the name of Andrea Bradovic and he mm. was talking about, uh, well, he works with executives and athletes on on helping them improve their sleep to perform better in either work or in, in sport. And right. he's got these um, these bands that you, you can wear and it, it tracks your sleep. It's sort of like a Fitbit right. type thing, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a better quality one and, and can track you track you a little bit better and uh he was saying that with people who drink alcohol pretty much on the dot at three o'clock in the morning most people tend to wake up at three o'clock and need to go to the toilet because that's when yeah. your you know your liver's processing the, the alcohol and mm-hmm. he he was showing me um uh, some results of 
uh, of people who had consistently had alcohol each night and their sleep because of that was just so, it was so bad. They'd wake up five, 10 yeah. times a night, um, mm-hmm. be very restless and, and then their performance or their effectiveness throughout the day was, um, was really quite low. So um, not only is it going to dehydrate you and not give you the nutrients that you need, but it's just really going to affect your sleep. And um, I know just how important sleep is when you're, you're busy training, you're busy working. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's something that I've really tried to focus on the last couple of, um, of weeks is just getting more sleep um, and better quality sleep. And just in terms of my mental effectiveness, it's made a huge mm-hmm. difference to how well I can focus and concentrate on a task. Oh, I think it's so, so key. With my athletes, I tell them, if you're not going to get, you know, seven hours a night, then I don't even know if you should be working out the next day. I really feel like it's that much of a detrimental thing to their workouts, you know, the next day and that they can't expect to live their life, go to work, do all their other responsibilities that they have to take care of and train. We're almost digging ourselves into a hole, you know, that we, I don't know if, if you do that continually, you just can't get out of. So for the most part, you know, I let them know that if they're running on empty with sleep, if, if it was a five hour or six hour kind of night, you know, they might be able to skirt through with a very easy workout the next day, maybe a 30 minute workout or something like that, but they really should modify. They should modify either in intensity or duration what it is they're doing the next day, because there's just no sense in getting out there and trying to do some hard bike or hard run workout when they're probably just going to put themselves into a deficit and then the next day not feel as good. And then we get sick and it's all those things. So it's really, um, managing, like you said, all those pieces of puzzle, it's always a puzzle and you have to, um, think about what makes the most sense for what you're doing at that time. And sometimes it means taking a day easier or taking a day away from training so that you can really focus on sleep that next night and come back and be refreshed. So I think sleep is of the utmost importance on multiple levels and people who don't sleep enough, they eat, you know, in a way that they shouldn't really be eating. They end up eating things that, you know, aren't, you know, the best for their bodies because they're tired and they're just trying to hang on, you know, to make Mm -hmm. it through the day versus making good choices. So it's, it's really important. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, that's really the, the, the fundamental thing when you're, you're training at a high level is you need to get your sleep right and your nutrition right. Mm -hmm. And, And also just be, be aware of when you feel any sort of injury starting to come on because if you if you haven't mm-hmm. got your health right you know if you're not if you're not feeling great you can feel yourself getting sick or you can feel an injury coming on if you push through and try and tough it out and you know be a hero about it it's only going to send you backwards two or three weeks so sometimes it takes more courage to say all right i'm going to take this session easier or, or i might have to miss it if it's going to make me you know injure myself and yeah. you, know, you just you just need to be able to to back off and I mean that's when I was younger when I was growing up I I had the mentality of every session needs to be hard needs mm-hmm. to you need to push through it doesn't matter if you're tired if you're um, if you if you've eaten poorly and you're not feeling right it's, you need to push through that's the the best thing to do but in hindsight I can see that I, I was I would have been better off just getting the rest or you know, or, mm-hmm. or taking a session easier. At, uh, but that's, I guess it's something that you learn with, with personal experience a lot of times. It doesn't matter who, how many times you get told, sometimes you just need to learn the hard way. <laughs> that's true. And sometimes I need my coach to tell me those things. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes we are, yeah, we are not always our best, um, you know, sometimes we're not our own best advocate and that we need someone outside of where we are to be able to see things clearly. So it's amazing how much I end up telling my athletes 
you need to, you, we need to take off or we need to back training down for this week that you're, you're a doctor and you're on call and you're going to be, you know, out in the middle of the night. Okay. You know what? We're not going to do um, what we had planned. In fact, we're going to do, you know, 50% less of that. And so it's really difficult for the athletes sometimes because they feel like they're losing out and they're just not, you know, they're not going to make the gains that they thought they were and all these things when really we're avoiding, you know, ex- you know, other major things that could take them down for a number of weeks by just taking a week and, and doing a little bit less and making sure that they are, you know, healthy enough to be able to continue. So I think it's really important for coaches and athletes to work together on that kind of stuff. Um, and I had a couple more things that people can do. So I'm going to roll into those. Is that good? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. So the other things too are um, carbohydrate ingestion while training. It is important for us as athletes to have carbohydrates. And and at times I see athletes cutting down the amount of sports drinks that they're having because they're either trying to um, lose weight for a big race coming up or um, they've been told that, you know, there's a bunch of sugar in these drinks, so they shouldn't be having them. And they're going, they just want to have water, even though they're going out for a three hour ride, it's no problem. But what ends up happening is that you actually produce a lot more stress hormones like cortisol, um, things like that. When you go without carbohydrate for a very long workout, not only that, you end up depleting your own electrolytes by quite a bit. You deplete your own carbohydrate reserves. So your own reserves in your own muscles and your liver and places like that, where we need carbohydrate. That's an interesting thing I found doing my long rides leading up to the Ironman was at the start, if I did a five-hour ride and I had two or three gels or you know, two or three muesli bars along the way um, and mm-hmm. not, and that was it and, and not fueling myself uh, as much as I needed to, that afternoon I would just – I'd be on the couch comatose and just eating uh, – I would, I would eat everything in sight. I was just so yeah. hungry afterwards that – that I realized, okay, I've got to really feel myself better on, on the bike because I can't just be eating this mm-hmm. much afterwards. So it's, it really had an effect on not only what I ate, but also um, how I felt like I was, I was completely wiped mm-hmm. for the day if I didn't feel myself right. And I, I did it thinking that it would be a good way to um, lose a bit of weight and get down to race yep. weight. Um, yep. and, and maybe that's right, but then, <laughs> but what I was doing after the ride, um, was sure not helping. I, yeah, exactly. Right. I <laughs> yeah. wasn't losing any weight with that, what I was no. eating afterwards. Absolutely. I mean, the first thing people do is say, I'd lo- I'm going to go ahead and order after this ride, a large pizza. I will eat yeah. all the pizza myself, you know, and then I'm going to go, you know, get this and that. And, you know, so if you're on your ride planning every single thing you're going to eat afterward, you know, this might be a bad sign that you are not doing the correct <laughs> thing during the ride. Um, you know, it's, it's good to, to look forward to good food and, and to not eating just sports nutrition products all day because it is, you know, a little tiresome to have to eat that stuff hour after hour, but they are designed for a reason. They're designed to be really absorbable. They're at the right osmolality when they hit our gut, you know, where they're absorbed readily and quickly, they get to the, into the bloodstream and then to the muscle working muscles for fuel. So they're able to be used and, and, um, there, that's why we have these things. So it, it is important, especially as we get past an hour, when we get into that second hour and third hour, you've got to make sure you're in these carbohydrate ranges, you know, so that you can, like you said, make better choices afterward. And people who have these types of drinks, they drink more. They tend to drink more than if they were just drinking water alone. So they end up more hydrated overall than people who are just drinking water. So they are a good idea for every athlete pretty much who's going to be going a longer distance. Mm. So that's really important. So that's, that's key. And then protein, having enough protein, 
at breakfast, at lunch, and at dinner. And this is what I see with athletes is that they end up having, you know, a, a decent, like almost no protein at breakfast, and then a decent lunch, maybe they have 10 grams, 15 grams, and then they have 60 grams for dinner. So they end up with a really big dinner, either with a big steak or with, you know, five or six or seven ounces of um, chicken or turkey or fish or things like that, which are all great sources. But the body can really only handle about 25 grams at a time. So 25 grams is sort of 25 to 30 is that amount where we're able to metabolically process it and use it for good repairment of muscles and um, all the other processes that we need to rebuild amino acids and things like that. And so when you're getting 60 at dinner, 25 is going towards really what you need. And the rest, if you're not going to be using it immediately, is going to be stored as fat, just like everything else. So um, spreading it out throughout the day is extremely key for athletes and more at breakfast, having eggs, having Greek yogurt, having um, really protein shakes with whey protein. You know, all those things are possibilities for breakfast to get 20 to 25 grams at breakfast and then a good source at lunch, tuna, you know, or something like that, three to four ounces at lunch, at least of any kind of protein source that you're going to have. And then the same with dinner and taking dinner down a notch. We don't need 60. We don't need a 12 ounce steak. We need, you know, a, a four or five or six ounce steak and we're, you know, in a better spot. Mm. That's yeah. one of the positives coming out of, uh, from doing the Ironman for me was being mm -hmm. more aware of the effect that food had on how I felt and how I performed and, and also just right. being aware of your intake and outtake of, um, of calories and, and actually right. taking note of what is in certain foods in terms of how, you know, how much mm -hmm. protein, how much, uh, how mm -hmm. much energy and all this sort of stuff. And that's something that I'd never really considered before. Well, you know, I, I'd thought about it, but hadn't mm -hmm. really, um, really sort of cared about what, what was in it. Right. But, um, <laughs> but then, yeah. you know, when you're doing all this training, you really need to be, um, on the ball with, with how much is, is in different foods and, and different ways mm -hmm. to fuel yourself. And that mm -hmm. was, um, that was something interesting that, that I've now, you know, post, post on the Ironman, it, I've been able to sort of take into uh, my normal routine, which hasn't got quite as much exercise and just been able to right. reduce meal sizes um, and actually mm -hmm. watch what I eat. So I think that's that's been a big positive of, of doing it. But mm -hmm. I, I think one of the – it's kind of a catch-22 when you're doing that much exercise training right. for, for an Ironman, you you tend to have to fill yourself with a lot of crap with all of the sports drinks and the gels right. and everything. It's, right, right. Um, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a sort of interesting th place that you put yourself in when you use this fit, but you're just mm -hmm. doing yourself with so much sugar and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Right. What right. And, and, and it's now, oh, go ahead. You, I don't think you were done. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Go for it. I was, yeah, I just want to sort of get your opinion on, on that. And, um, yeah, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, it's really, a, it's sort of a necessary evil of what we do. As I was talking about, we, we really do need, to have those types of fuels. And, and the other reason, um, that I, that I actually talk with a lot of athletes about this is they say, well, why, why can't I eat, uh, an egg and then I'll have some nuts and then I'll have, why don't I have some celery or some, you know, why can't I have these other things that I have the rest of the time? And the reason for that is that we end up having a lot more fiber and a lot more fat and both those things slow down, the digestive process and they don't allow blood sugar to go up at nearly the same rate as some of the other sports nutrition products, which is a bad thing when you're working out, when the body only has so much blood to shuttle to the legs to, and muscles, you know, that are, that are working, the legs that are doing all the work or the arms that are doing all the work swimming. 
it doesn't want to divert a bunch of extra blood to the stomach to help with digestion. It wants to divert the very minimum amount possible. So while you can maybe get away with a little more of that in the beginning of the season, maybe you're not working out as intensely, or maybe you're not that close to your race, maybe you want to try some different fueling methods and see how it goes, that's a possibility when you're pretty far out. But as things get towards the race, you've got to use these these formulated products for the most part because they're easy, they're convenient, they're, you're, it's, it's not easy to carry an egg with you necessarily to keep foods at the right temperature while you're out there on a six-hour ride, you know, to make sure that there's no foodborne illness. So there's a lot of reasons why this stuff is, you know, formulated and packaged the way it is. And so, you know, but if you're going to do that all day long or many of the days of the week, you're going to have to use that stuff, then guess what? You better have a great diet outside of that, you know, or at least a 80-20 rule where 80% of the time you're doing things right and the other 20% of the time you're, you know, having, you know, lunch with your friends or, you know, not worrying about it as much. But 80% of the time, at least, you should be um, making choices that are advantageous to your body by making sure you get, you know, at least five or six servings of fruits and vegetables per day. More like nine or 10 is better, better especially vegetables. And then you're getting all those antioxidants and you're getting a lot of nutrients out of those things. And then the protein, making sure it's coming from good sources and dairy products, low fat dairy that's got vitamin D and calcium and all of those kind of things, beans, legumes, you know, stuff like that, that's giving you great fiber. So we really need that stuff as athletes. And, you know, it's easy to say, well, I'll just have this cookie because, you know, I work out so hard. And while you can afford a little bit of that, it just can't replace the other stuff that you really truly need because you're putting in so much of, like we said, the other types of things that, you know, you you need the whole foods to support what it is you're trying to do on a daily basis and recovery and coming back day after day and your immunity like we were talking about. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I'd love yeah. to see, um, I'd love to see someone with a few hard boiled eggs in the back of their cycling jersey and <laughs> it, i'm not kidding i know people those. who do who do this stuff and i mean <laughs> it's a very interesting you know way to go about it one of the one of the talks i give all over the country right now is called um whole foods versus sports nutrition products because a lot of dietitians like myself are seeing this trend where athletes are wanting to use this stuff all the time i saw an article the other day it said fuel your your um long workout with bacon and I thought, bacon, really? Um, people are going to start carrying bacon with them? Like, you know, this is probably not not only the not easy thing to do, but it has virtually no carbohydrates. It has a ton of fat, um, you know, or more fat than we would ever see or want. And uh, what what would be the purpose of fueling with bacon other than calories? It's giving you calories, yes, energy, which we need. But other than that, it's not really doing a whole lot for us. Maybe a little bit of sodium. So it would give us a little bit of that electrolyte. But I brought that up in my sports nutrition class, you know, that athletes want to go this way. But it may not make the most sense. Long term, it may not be the best thing. It might be okay for a while. But it certainly might not be great, you know, especially as we get towards the race. You know, that makes mm. it really, really tough. Because what are you going to do? Put a bunch of eggs and, um, <laughs> you know, in like nuts and stuff in your ben in your bento box or in your, you know, your special needs bag. You know, how are they going to last? You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, trying to peel banana is not that easy when you're on your bike at, you know, 22 miles per hour. So you have to really be smart about what you're going to take if you're going to do whole food options. But people do it. I, I just think it's really hard to calculate too. Are you getting enough carbs per hour? 
um, mm. when you're making stuff at home or you're uh, taking these other options. So that's what I talk about when I talk with these other dietitians. I wonder if we'll see uh, many little camping cooking stoves in special needs bags with the eggs and the bacon there <laughs> <laughs> ready to cook up you before they get on the, onto the run. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past triathletes. We are an interesting group <laughs> and we will do whatever anybody tells us is the smartest thing to do. So we will absolutely do that. And um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we would see stuff like that. You, I just don't, you don't know. So, right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> as, it is. As, as we're, a few we're people take it up, it'll uh, become the yep. norm. And then, you know, everyone will start doing it. And it seems normal to everyone in the, yeah. uh, in the triathlon world. But everyone looking in is going, what are you doing? <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah. It becomes a trend. And it's like, this is the best thing going today. Yeah. Everybody is now is now doing it. You know, there'll be special egg containers, you know, and, and I mean, I love eggs. I think eggs are amazing for breakfast and lunch and dinner. I think they're awesome. But, you know, I think having that kind of stuff on the bike, you, you can do it for a while. It's just, you know, is it practical? Is it smart? Is it what you're going to use in the race? Does it make sense? You know, those are the questions that every athlete has to ask themselves. And what's going to be appealing to you when you are five hours into this bike ride? What's going to be really appealing? Because, you know, no one really loves eating sports nutrition at that point. You know, it's, it's like no matter what it is you're doing, it becomes a little tiresome. But certainly some of these other foods that have, you know, real pungent smells or, you know, could go bad or, you know, other things like that may make it really difficult to eat them long-term. So whole foods are awesome. I just don't know if they're always the best choice for us while we're actually trying to be out there working out for long periods of time. (laughs) So yeah, exactly. So it's just an interesting thing to think about. And and I end up talking about a lot now with athletes because they are, they are interested. They want to do it. And a lot of sports nutrition companies are going more natural in terms of trying to um, reduce the number of, um, preservatives and trying to get more to a whole food style looking product. I've seen, um, you know, companies come out with margarita pizza gels. Have you seen stuff like that? No, I haven't. Have you tried? Yeah, them? I haven't tried it, but I've used it in my presentation. I, and I showed the ingredients, in my presentation and it's things like basil, tomatoes, um, you know, just oh, some really interesting. In yeah. Yeah. In a gel. Oof. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, companies are trying to do that because I, I, I think they, they think to themselves people are sick of regular sports nutrition, like a berry flavor and a, you know, real, you know, manufactured type product. But yet at the same time, you know, is something like that going to be appealing? Maybe to some people it is. Um, maybe it depends on the athlete sport or the type. So, or how you're going to use it, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it would be the best that I would be appealing to that. Like that I would like it, you You know, uh, I reckon they'll come out with the bloody Mary gel so you can have it in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fabulous idea. You should patent this now, but you better do it quickly before anybody else gets a hold of this because we all train in the morning. So, you know, a lot of us are out there really early. So, I'm going to be taking the Bloody Mary gel, gel tomorrow. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out on the group ride. Or I'll be like, Bloody oh. Mary gels for everyone. That's you know, we'll, we'll just oh. like pass it around. Oh, yeah. That could be rough. We, so. we had, um, had our um, swim training on the weekend on Saturday, and we all um, – uh, we all went out for breakfast afterwards and mm-hmm. uh, to a local pub and one of the swimmers got a, a Bloody Mary and it was still pretty early in the morning. I, yeah. saw, I looked at that and went, oh, how can you do it? Like tomato juice is bad enough on its own, but then tomato <laughs> juice with vodka at you know, this time of the morning, you've got to be crazy. But um, there you go. There's Maybe a market they- for it. <laughs> 
There's a market for it. Well, maybe they were trying to, you know, sometimes it's like, who, who can really stomach this at this time? Like they, you, they may, may want to impress you or something yeah. like that. Maybe that was it because I, I don't know. I wouldn't do well with that kind of stuff, but I highly encourage going out to breakfast for athletes after the, after the morning workout, go out, get some good protein, um, get some good vegetables in, get some fruit in, you know, do all those kind of things and do it as a group and refuel together. I think that in itself is a fabulous idea. So, so, you know, going that makes sense to me um, mm. for athletes to do that for sure. So just, you know, watch the watch the after Saturday long ride beers and things like that, like that, you know, in, in small doses, alcohol is really good for you, um, you know, in the in the one kind of two at most sort of range. And, you know, wine has some really good compounds in it and things like that. The polyphenols are very, you know, antioxidant type compounds. But any more than that is just really tough on athletes. So so, mm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we talked about, there's, there's ways to do it and then there's ways to overdo it. And we tend to be like all or nothing sometimes. So yeah, yeah moderation is all is the key, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. And, and it's, everything. Uh, it's hard for most athletes, I reckon, moderation. And I'm saying that from yeah. personal experience. <laughs> right. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, Kim, what, uh, what sort of services do you, do you offer to, to athletes? So if someone wanted to, uh, uh, to have you look at their nutrition plan or anything mm-hmm. like that. What, how can people get in touch with you and what sort of services do you offer for them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my business name is Fuel Your Passion, F-U-E-L-Y-O-U-R-P-A-S-S-I-O-N, and my website is fuelyourpassion.net. And so I'm a registered dietitian with a specialty in sports nutrition. I have a, a specialty certification in this area. So I work with athletes uh, from 5K to you know, very long distance triathlon and everything in between to help them improve their training diets. So what they're having outside of activity, and then also to help them design race plans that include their training nutrition and and their racing nutrition as well. So what they're going to be having on race day. So I do that with my own clients that are my coaching athletes, but I definitely do that as well with athletes that come to me from outside of my, my coaching realm and, and just want to see me separately for nutrition. So I, I do that. And so they can find me there at Fuel Your Passion on Instagram and on Twitter. So at Fuel Your Passion is a great way to get in touch with me. And, um, and yeah, and I, before, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to, to the sponsors that have stuck with me through the pregnancy. Cause let me tell you, having this conversation with your sponsors and not knowing whether you're going back into sport or not can sometimes be, um, a difficult conversation to have. So yeah. I have a couple people that really, that have still, you know, stuck with me. This is a, a difficult area um, because, you know, you, you want to, you want to maintain relationships with these people, but when you're not able to go out there and compete, you got to support them in other ways. So um, I'm very thankful to ultra grain. They make a whole wheat flour and have other products that have whole wheat. You got, I don't, I don't know that they've reached where you are in Australia, but they're definitely here in the U S um, in local supermarkets and things like that. And Rudy Project, my helmet um, and sunglass company, and then Core Sports, they um, have a great clothing line that I work with as well. And so um, so all those those guys have stuck with me this year. So it's pretty nice to to have them, their support as well. Well, that's that's great. I mean, it's hard enough to sort of keep a sponsor on board when you're not performing, but let alone uh, not knowing yeah. when you're going to get back into the sport. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm trying to to do some other things, and you know, I, I help them with their a lot of these companies with their Facebook pages and marketing, and and then just be um, 
you know, hopefully good for them in other ways. So, uh, so that part is, is, is interesting. I think that's where any of us that can add value to who it is we're working with, whether you're an amateur or an elite athlete, you know, the, the whole goal is just add value, ask them what they need, find out ways to help, you know, be out there being genuine about products and what you're using and why you're using it. You know, if you're doing all those things, you're usually on the right track and you can form these, these relationships that will stand the test of time and this test of pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> other things, you know, injury and whatnot, because, you know, they, you know, life is life. And so people do get injured and have things happen, especially at the, the pro level. So it's, um, it's good to have people that will stick with you. Fantastic. Well, Kim, yeah. it's, it's been fun again and I love having you on the podcast and love chatting with oh, you. Thank you. And, uh, I wish you all the best for, um, for the baby due at the end of July. So if anyone's looking to get in touch, do it before July because you probably won't be much of a, <laughs> uh, a mindset to uh, to think about nutrition for uh, at least a week or two there um, while that's all happening. So, uh, Kim, thanks again, and uh, I'm going to have you back on the podcast, um, maybe, uh, maybe post-baby, I'd say. Okay, I would love that. Thank you so much. And it's been fun sharing this this journey with, with someone else that's been going through it. So I hope the listeners have enjoyed what we talked about today. And I would love to come back on. So thank you, Brent, and I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com. 